Let's look in, into scripture, into Isaiah 55. You'll find Isaiah right after Psalms, which is in the middle of your Bible. Head one over to Isaiah. If you've gone to Jeremiah, you're too far. Helps to have gone into Sparks and Awana so that a person can know some of the books of the Bible. Isaiah 55. If you've got a, a Palm Pilot, well, that's pretty easy. You just punch in Isaiah and away you go. Got to spell it right. Isaiah 55, 1 to 11. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters, and you will have, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the uprighteous, the unrighteous, their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but I will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which it is sent. May the Lord add the blessing of his word to the reading. Please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, a story that you know full well, a story that relates very much to Saskatchewan. It's a farming story. And I know that soon, at least I trust by faith that soon the snow will melt. I want to ride something with two wheels and an internal combustion engine. I want to be able to get rid of Although I did, I, you know, last two Saturdays I went skiing with my daughter and, and my grandkids. Had a wonderful time. Can't do that in the summer either, so uh, life is fun anyway. So Luke chapter 8. And uh, we want to read there the story of the sower. Just give me a minute, I'll find it here. Luke chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 4. Luke writes, While a large crowd was gathering, 
and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. Parable is a story. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And soon we'll see that here in this area. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, and though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Soon it will be seeding time again in Saskatchewan. Farmers will get their equipment out and spend time and money putting seed in the ground. People will till their gardens, and they will put, plant vegetables and flowers. It's an annual ritual in Saskatchewan. But why do we go through all that hassle? If we're simply doing it to occupy time, there probably isn't a whole lot of point to it. And the reason people go through all that hassle of putting seed in the ground, of spending time and money and effort and all the rest of that is they're hoping that there will be a payoff down the road. There is a law that's at work here, and that's the law of seeding and harvest. If you want to harvest, you need to seed. If you don't seed, you can't expect a crop. And I know there are many variables involved, but the general truth still holds. And the same thing holds spiritually. If you want a crop, you need to sow the seed, but the seed needs to go to the right places. So let's take a look at Jesus' conversation. And as I read this, I thought, what's Jesus trying to say here? Do you ever get in one of those conversations, you don't know where they're going? Do you know what I mean? You know some of those conversations? Maybe you ladies don't have trouble with that. But, but let me give you an example. I have a wife. My wife has sisters. We have daughters. They have daughters. Every once in a while, there's a conversation goes on at our place. It goes something like this. Now, my wife had a sister whose name was Helen. I have a niece whose name is Helen. 
My mom's name was Helen. Kathy works with people whose names are Helen. And so when these girls get together, they, in this conversation, they will seamlessly transition from one Helen to another Helen. To a, Sound familiar, guys? To another Helen. And then one Helen is wearing uh, some perfectly fine clothes, but it reminds them of Joyce, and Joyce reminds, Joyce's, reminds them of her husband. And this conversation goes from, from, from like it starts in Nipwin, goes to Africa. I have no idea where this goes. And I go, what? And, and these ladies seem to intuitively, seamlessly make the transition from one topic to another. And I'm with my sons-in-law are left, left absolutely baffled and bewildered and dizzy, and I have no idea what they're talking about, and then they make fun of me. So I asked myself, okay, now, now, why is Jesus having this conversation? Is this point about the seed and then I started looking at, okay, what, what's going on here? So there are large crowds that are gathering around. And if you read the stories, there are, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels because most of them cover the same events. And if you read this story in, in Matthew and Mark, you will find out that Jesus had, there were so many people, and this was on the shore of, 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 the, of the lake, that he got into a boat and, and he sat in the boat and all the people were gathered around on the shore. There was a large crowd of people there and in the middle of this conversation or rather toward the end of it, and later on he just talks to his disciples, Jesus said these words and you'll find them in verse 8. Jesus said he called out and, and Jesus, like he raised his voice here and he called out and he said, he who has ears to hear let him hear. So in other words, he says, I'm trying to make a point here, and you need to work at understanding this thing. And I think here's the thing. Now, when you have a popular event, you will likely draw a large crowd. The last couple of nights here in Nipawin, there were hockey games in the arena. The Nippon Hawks played the first two games of the of the of the the playoff series with the Flin Flon Bombers. I was at those games. Emotions got a little high. In fact, I even yelled. Can you figure that out? I stood up and did some yelling. And so when you get in a crowd, people get wound up. But I ask myself the question as I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this and I'm catching myself doing some of this, I said, would I get as emotionally involved and would I get as intense about this if it was about somebody going to hell instead of the referee making a bad call? Hmm. Popular events draw large crowds. And Jesus drew a large crowd, but he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
And it's basically a warning to the crowd and a lesson to the disciples. And much like farming, the initial promise of a bumper crop when the seed first germinates may not translate into a bountiful harvest. I know the saying in Saskatchewan is, let's wait until it's in the bin before we start counting our money. And Jesus is saying the same thing. Just because there's a large crowd doesn't mean there's going to be a huge crop. And so he tells this story. There are several things that remain the same in the story. One is the sower. The same guy does the sowing. So you have the same skill set involved and everything else. The same planning, the same seed. The seed stays the same. It's exactly the same seed. And the external conditions remain the same. There was the same rain, the same sun, the same temperatures, the same amount of daylight, the same amount of worry and fret on the farmer's part. I'm sure he went out and checked his crops from from week to week and whatever else, made sure everything was going. And the only variable seems to be the soil, the various types of soil, the places that the seed landed. In Israel, you don't find grid roads like you do in Saskatchewan or on the rest of the prairies. The fields are laid out. Uh, you have little rocky outcroppings and, and little patches of dirt. And, uh, and, and you know, it, it, your, your fields are determined by where stuff grows and where it doesn't grow. And sometimes there are paths that run alongside it or run through the middle of it. And so a farmer went out to sow his field, and you need to think of places where there is rock sticking out of the ground and other places where there is poor soil, uh, and a farmer went out to sow this field. And as he goes out and sows this field, some of it, you know, doesn't fall nicely on on the defined edges, and some of it falls on the places where people walk. And so people walk on top of the seeds and and it doesn't go in the ground and so the birds come along and eat it up. Some fell on rocky ground where there was dirt but the rock is only very short distance under the soil. It warms up quickly and when the soil is moist the seed germinates quickly and starts to grow but uh, as it grows it can't reach the moisture that is in the subsoil and so it withers very quickly and dies out. The result is no crop. There are some that falls on weedy ground and where the seeds germinate, but the weeds rob the moisture and nutrients and sunshine, and again, there is no crop. But Jesus said some falls on good soil, soil that is rich, soil where there's moisture and conditions are ideal. And in Matthew and Mark, Jesus said sometimes some some of that soil produces a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as was put into the ground. And so the disciples asked him, like, what was that all about? And again, Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. One of my high school teachers used to say that a word to the wise is generally sufficient. We'd like to amend that. A word to the wise is generally annoying. But it's true. 
And here's a word to the wise. Jesus said, he who has ears. This is going to take some understanding to try and figure this out. So let's go to a spiritual application. What are the things that stay the same? Well, there is the sower. Whether that's you or me or someone else, doesn't really matter. A sower's job is to put seed onto the ground. Just think of this. Let's say the man who was in Israel had some kind of pack, and he was reaching in there, and he was throwing seed. And his little boy, with dark hair and brown eyes, was following closely behind him, because he's dad's helper. And he's got a little bag of seed just like his dad does. He wants to be just like dad. <laughs> Yesterday, I said to my nine-year-old grandson, how am I doing? He says, not bad, but he says, you look like you're trying to show off. So I was skiing. <laughs> so I said, did I succeed? He said, no. <laughs> so I have to explore that a little bit. I, I need to figure out what that means. But anyway, so here's this little guy trying to, trying to imitate his dad. You know, and he's throwing seed with a, with a grubby little hand, and, and it might land in a clump here, and it might spray all over the place, and maybe he throws some at his dad, and, and it bounces off his dad and all the rest of it. Same seed. Lands in the right place, it's going to grow. And so the seed is the Word of God, the Bible says, and that doesn't change. God's Word is powerful and effective. The passage that that Blair read for us this morning in Isaiah 55, God said, my word will not return to me after I seed it. My word will not return to me without accomplishing what I intended to do. And one of the wonderful things I've realized as a pastor, and, and you, maybe you get to see that sometimes too, there is an inherent power in the word of God that goes way beyond human wisdom. There are times that I talk to people and, and I am totally at my wit's end. There are times that I try and out-reason and outsmart people. And it doesn't work. The only thing I found that really works when I'm dealing with people that they can't argue with is God's Word. There is an inherent power, there is an inherent logic in God's Word that you can't find anywhere else. I tried to. I tried to out-argue people who'd, who'd been drinking. I thought, how hard is that? You know, like shutting, shooting ducks in a barrel. They can out-argue me. But the Word of God stops them. The Word of God is powerful and effective, Hebrews says. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to, to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And when you and I have the Word of God and we use it and it, it comes out of our mouths and, and we put it in people's lives, things begin to happen. And it's not dependent upon you how smart you are or how, how articulate you are or how well you can argue or how well you can schmooze or bamboozle or, or, or politicize or anything like that. God's Word has the power in it. He just asks us to use it. And so that doesn't change. 
The seed doesn't change. There's power in the seed. It's like I talked to one farmer one time, and I, I congratulated on his success in farming. He says, you know what? He says, all I do is I put seed in the ground. God does the rest. There's a life in the seed. It, it's there. You know, the, the, the God sends the rain, and I put the seed in the soil, and, and, and a miracle happens. And you and I can do the same thing with God's word. And so the seed stays the same. And the conditions stay the same. But Jesus said there are four kinds of people, and I've given them names. The first kind I call hear and bounce. They hear, and it bounces off them. They hear the word of God, and, and it's, like, it's like a path that has been packed down. It's hard. It, it's, it's like concrete. And you throw seed on there, and it just bounces off. And Jesus said there are people who hear it, and it just bounces off. They hear the word. The devil comes and takes it away. They don't believe. They're not saved. And the bottom line is there are no results. You Maybe you know some people like that. I've worked with people like that. I've worked with people like that in the bush and in the mines. Uh, and some you try and talk to, you can have an intelligent conversation. Others, are, they're like concrete, bounces. There are other people that I call burn and crash. They're like a rocket. I don't know if you've ever seen a kid light a rocket on fire, but you can buy these toy rockets, and, and they make them at, at Torch Trail, don't they, Lindsay? They do rocketry. My, my grandsons have done that. And you, and you light the rocket and go, and then it quits. And then if you build the rocket right, there's a little parachute comes out. <laughs> if you didn't build it right, it goes thud. <laughs> and there are people that are like that. They hear the word of God, take off with gusto and a roar, and then it fizzles and they crash. The bottom line is there are no results. There are some people that I call choke and drop. See, Jesus said they are, what happens is, these people, for all intents and purposes, look really good, but they're choked out by life's worries, life's pleasures, and life's riches. Way back in a previous life, I was involved in a judo club for a while. One of the wonderful things about judo is you can use something called a chokehold. It's legal in judo. And it's extremely effective. And I was told to spar in our club one time to spar with a guy that was a whole lot bigger than I was and a whole lot younger. All muscle and everything like that. And it didn't take long before he put me down. But he wound up on top of me with his back to my chest, and I got my arms around his neck, and I grabbed a hold of his judogi, his, his judo jacket, and I pulled it around, and I had my other arm in this chokehold, and I cut off both of his carotid arteries. Oh, it was marvelous. He got really quiet really fast. And just before he passed out, he went on the mat so that I would let him go. 
But I was, it was absolutely astounding how fast this guy got quiet. You cut off that blood flow to these carotid arteries. You, put your, you, know, you pull the collar across on one side, get your arm wedged in the other, cut them both off. You cut off the blood flow to the brain and people just go stupid. For some of them, you don't even have to do that. But there are people like that get, get choked out. And it's not just the bad things in life. There was a family that came to church that pastored previously to this one. A family came to church with a couple of boys and became very much involved in our church and for about five or six months. And what had happened was that um, he had been involved in, in a big road construction company with his dad and his brothers in Alberta. And, and when everything crashed and burned in Alberta in the early 80s, uh, they lost everything. And so he wound up in this little town in northern BC selling mobile homes and managing a mobile home park and, and kind of humbled and humiliated. And he told me the stories of, of you know, how they used to be big rollers and, and all the rest of that kind of stuff. So fine, I listened to his stories, and they started coming to church, and things were looking pretty good. And all of a sudden, their church attendance just kind of tapered right off to dwindle down to nothing, and I went to see him. And I said, what's going on? And he said, well, he said, you know, business is getting good, and I'm, I'm making some money, and, and life is starting to smile, and, uh, and I just don't have all that much time for church anymore. And I said to him, like, what's going on? Like, you're like, here's all this stuff, you know, like you were in trouble and, uh, and, and you needed God and, and God pulled you out of this and, and now you're doing this. And he said, and his exact words were, he said, who needs the Lord when things are going good? And there are some people who walk away from God when things start going bad. They're angry with God. Why did God do this to me? I'm going to walk away from him. There are some people who walk away from God when things start going good. Who needs God when things are going good? My country of Holland. My country of Holland used to be a missionary sending agency. We sent people all over the world. And during the Second World War, there was a great outcry to God and a great turning to God. And after the Second World War, we got rich. You could retire at age 55, anybody with a full and generous government pension. Everything was paid for, your glasses, your teeth, your, you name it. It was all done and paid for. We got rich. And who needs God when things are going good? And so Holland is one of the most secular countries in the world. We were the first one, pardon me, we were the first one to legalize euthanasia. Yeah, that's my, that's my people. Who needs God when things are going good? See, sometimes things go bad and we turn away from God. Sometimes things go really good. But Jesus said there, are, there is another kind of people. You have the, the, the previous three, the hear and bounce, the burn and crash, the choke and drop. And number four is the stay and stick. Jesus said these are people with a noble and a good heart. They hear the word. They retain it 
And here's the bottom line. They persevere. And then when they do all that, they produce. They produce a crop 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. You see, God doesn't change, and his word doesn't change. James 1 verse 17 says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change. God doesn't change. And the word of God doesn't change. 1 Peter verse 1 or chapter 1, 24 and 25, all men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. The sower, that's you and me. That's other Christians. We met with one of our committees this week, the Missions and Outreach Committee. It's on your salmon sheet. <laughs> um, and we are, we're excited. We're getting involved with an initiative through the Billy Graham Association called My Hope. It'll happen this fall. It's a one-day event where we become like Matthews. Remember the story of Matthew or Levi after he, Matthew, Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. What did Matthew do? Matthew was the tax collector. And Matthew got all his friends together, all his non-Christian corrupt buddies and got them all together and had a party and invited Jesus so they could all meet Jesus. That's what we're going to do. We're going to have Matthew parties this fall. It's going to happen in November. But we're pretty pumped about this. You'll hear more about this next month and we'll be, we'll be teaching people over the course of, of, of the spring and then early in the fall as well. We're going to have these Matthew parties so that you will have an opportunity. And through the Billy Graham Association, we will have an opportunity to sow and you will have an opportunity to either invite people into your home or to take them out for coffee. You can show them on your, on your smartphone. You can show them on a tablet. You can show them on a computer. You can show them on a TV. You can have a Matthew party. You can be a sower. Isn't that cool? All you have to do is throw the seed. And life doesn't change. See, all of us have worries and riches and pleasure, and any one of these things can derail us. And when those things happen to us, we have a choice. We can persevere or we can bail. And in my experience, what do you have that's any better? Who else has the words of eternal life? And so let me encourage you this morning. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And let us choose, and I would encourage you to choose and to say to yourself and to say to your Lord, in spite of whatever happens to me, whether it be riches or poverty, whatever, I will persevere. I will walk with God. I will produce a crop. I will be faithful. I will hear the word. I will retain it. And I will persevere even when it's hard to do.